welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Welcome, podcast listeners. This is HJ Talks About Abuse. I'm Kathleen Hallisey, a senior associate in the abuse team, joined by my colleague, Danielle Vincent, and my other colleague, Hannah Hodgson. Today, we're going to be talking about sexual abuse in films and how it's recently been announced that they are to be given stricter ratings. So, we are going to be talking about sexual abuse, sexual assault, and rape. So I'm just giving a trigger warning here for anybody who has just tuned in. If these are things that maybe are a bit too much to listen to today, then I would suggest that you turn us off and maybe tune in at a later time. For everyone else, welcome. Looking forward to discussing this really interesting and important topic with all of you. Thanks, Kathleen, for the intro. So we are going to be talking about sexual abuse in films to be given stricter ratings and our thoughts on this. So how this has come about is previously a BBC newsreader, Natasha Kaplinsky, and now the new president of British Board of Film Classification, has said that sexual abuse should be given stricter ratings in films. Her comments have come ahead of a planned BBFC consultation set to review public attitudes towards this issue, where they shall survey 100,000 people about its guidelines. Any changes will then come into force in early 2024. So to clarify to our listeners, that's when you know you see a film that says parent advisory 12, 18. Kaplinsky says that the public has become more sensitive to sexual abuse of women as well as terrorist violence. Speaking on the back of the Me Too movement and recent events which have sparked an outcry over violence against women, Kaplinsky suggested we were strict anyway in the guidelines, but actually things have moved on. Kaplinsky believes that society has got much more cultural sensitive to rape and tolerance to violence, coercive control, and that border between 15 to 18 violence will be amongst the key arguments for the change. This new stricter approach will apply to sexual assault off screen too. Thanks, John. An example that the BBFC has mentioned is a Kira Knightley scene in the movie The Duchess, where viewers, although they can't actually see the rape taking place, can hear that she's in fact being raped. So that film is rated a 12. And so that movie is, is a few years old now, at least. But BBFC is saying that if that were to be released now, the classification on it would be 15. So in contrast, scenes which display consensual sex could have lower age ratings because Kaplinsky, Kaplinsky excuse me, believes that attitudes towards consensual sex have softened. And it's indicated that the light and unrealistic portrayals of violence would be more acceptable and afford a lower age rating in contrast to content with gritty depictions. So Kaplinsky commented that there's acceptance of 
violence of a certain kind of fantasy films, Jason Bourne kind of Marvel violence, but real life terror threats have got people agitated. And so there's a desire that there would be a higher rating in relation to that as well. I think it's important when we're looking at the ratings as well to consider that when parents have children and they're considering that their children are going off to the cinema with their friends, I'm sure, especially when I was a child, my mother would always ask what the classification was, whether she was going to let me watch it. And I think that's very important when we're looking at whether something would be deemed a 12 or a 15. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I certainly wasn't allowed to go and see R-rated films. And I forget what the classifications ratings are in the States, but whatever's below an R-rated film, I wasn't allowed to see those until I was of the age to actually go and see those. And, and honestly, you couldn't get into them unless you snuck in, of course. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well, because really, just thinking about it now, I, I wouldn't actually really know what the limit would be for a 12 or, or a 15 or an 18 in regards to sexual abuse. Yeah, neither would like, I. I wouldn't actually, you know, I haven't really thought about it before. And it's actually, you know, a, a good point. What, you know, if you, especially parents sending their children to the cinema, it is probably, you know, comes across a lot of their minds, you know, what is actually going to be shown in this film or, you know, what's going to be different in a 12 to a 15 we see it with some films and shows now is that there's especially children's shows where there's a child element of what they understand but there's underlying things that adults understand and that's normally in quite young types of shows things like the simpsons for example which works well we're not talking about that in this context of sexual abuse because so there, there can be two meanings to something but this is something very very different and so the age classification is a very important point yeah and also I think it's really important to think about you know what impact does sexual abuse on on our screens have on survivors I mean just from like our own perspective you know we have worked with a lot of clients that get triggered by things on TV, things on films. And, you know, just to mention something that I was actually watching the other day on Channel 4, The Light in the Hall, it's actually a programme, you know, about a murder mystery. But actually, out of nowhere, this sort of side story did evolve about sexual abuse. And it, and it you know, did make me think, how would a survivor watching this feel because there was like almost you know no trigger warning at all. And it, it's really just thinking about like what you know, responsibility do producers and filmmakers have to to make it clear to people before they start watching it, you know, that sexual abuse is going to be involved in the production. I personally have experiences with my clients that have said well, when we're talking about the impact to them, TV and film can be a, a huge trigger, as you, as you mentioned, Hannah, and that it prevents them watching a lot of series dramas. We see it in, in the soaps now, these issues are tackled, but without significant trigger warning that can be really detrimental to individuals watching it. Yeah and it's also just thinking you know really are scenes involving sexual violence actually necessary to the plot sometimes like is it actually worth triggering you know viewers and survivors who are watching this you know for the plot or for certain character development and it's interesting because I was reading an article online um, by the Mental Health Today and there were some really interesting comments I think the person who wrote this article was actually a survivor themselves and they said that watching sexual abuse on tv programs can make survivors feel as though suddenly the steady ground you walk on feels as if it's doing the stereotypical disaster movie rendition of an earthquake and also adding that coverage of abuse and traumatic events in the media tends to creep up on you like your first winter cold first you have a scratchy throat then a dribbly nose and suddenly you're in 
a full head cold. So that was like a really interesting, you know, way to put it, to to really describe how it can make a survivor Mm -hmm. feel. And I think that's really important for people to realise, you know, it's not just for entertainment. Like, you know, sometimes these stories are based on real life events. I, I just thought it was really interesting the way that was put. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really common amongst our clients that, you know, you'll hear over and over again that they avoid watching anything that, you know, references sexual abuse or sexual assault or rape because it is so triggering. And that might even be at a point in their life where or has been for most of their life until they've they felt able to come forward and disclose. And I think on on that point, perhaps I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here. But on the other hand, I wonder that it can be also helpful to have movies, films, TV shows that do depict sexual abuse and sexual assault because it can help equally survivors feel like they're not alone, they're not the only person it's happened to, and perhaps give them the ability to to come forward and, and disclose what's happened to them. So I suppose it's a, a bit of a, you know, caught between a rock and a hard place situation, but I think We're not going to stop having films and TV shows that depict some type of sexual violence. And it can be both a good and a bad thing if that's depicted in films and TV shows. So how do we kind of strike the right balance? And I think, you know, one of the things that's really important and, and has been commented on by Jay Breslau, who's the CEO of Survivors Network in Brighton, is that we need to put survivors at the center of the story. So victims and survivors really need to be at the center of this and and there needs to be consultation with them and with expert organizations in this area around how sexual abuse and sexual assault is being portrayed on screen. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree, Kathleen. And and actually in that article that I mentioned by Mental Health Today, where they did speak to Jay Breslau, CEO of Survivors Network, they had a discussion and it, it was basically outlaid that there were three main talking points when it comes to this issue. And the first one was about dispelling myths. Mm -hmm. So he actually said that, you know, things that we hold true are often about our socialization that we've had in our lives growing up. And, you know, frustration was expressed by the Survivors Network at how often film and TV makers uphold myths around sexual violence. And and they actually did mention, you know, that, that rape is often, you know, one that has a lot of myths around it, particularly in films and TV shows. And that the notion that women, girls and those of marginalised genders can do things to prevent sexual violence being committed against them is, is toxic to the cultural change necessary to actually keep those people safe. And if people who are filmmakers or upcoming are holding those rape myths or having not fully understood them, then all they're doing is reinforcing the messages that actually leads people and and women and girls and other people, you know, being more unsafe in society. And and it's really dangerous and can can have a really, really negative impact on society. Mm -hmm. You did recently a podcast on the Hollyoak story line, didn't you? I'm dealing with this with the character Maxine, who basically goes on a night out and is dressed in a particular way and dispelling the myths in regards to even she after the event, well, her character plays out that perhaps it was because of what she was wearing. And Hollyoaks, I think, dealt with that very well. Yeah. They established that, you know, this is such a myth of, in respect, yeah. for example, clothing. And it was really refreshing to see Hollyoaks do that because, you know, as we've just said, we haven't seen a lot of TV productions do this. So when Hollyoaks did it, it was really refreshing to see. Yeah, I mean, I think all of that also speaks to kind of, obviously, what we know about historic lows of of rape prosecutions in this country 
and victims and survivors often feeling that they're in some way to blame or that, you know, their entire history is going to be laid bare by a criminal investigation and prosecution. I think so much needs to be done around changing the narrative, dispelling the myth, however you want to put it, about women being to blame in some way for being sexually assaulted, what they were wearing, how much they had to drink, et cetera. Yeah, completely. And and the second talking point that the Survivors Network did mention was centering the right person in the story. So Kathleen, I think you did just previously touch on this when you talked about how survivors should be the centre of this at all times, you know, when when producers are making these storylines. The third thing was to give back to survivors and survivors organisations. And this is quite a poignant point here is that if we try to think about it, that somebody, a survivor, is almost an expert because they're the person that has gone through this. And I know that when you're talking to or you see interviews with movie stars, they say that sometimes they visit a location or they to get into character, they do different training. And I know that when there has been things before that actresses or actors have gone to centers and spoken to people but having somebody who has survived this actually provide opinions on how it should be directed is a fantastic idea and that perhaps by giving back to the organization that that assists survivors is a very good idea I think. Yeah absolutely and you know should be something I think perhaps even with you know if there's a trigger warning on a program at the end you know often say there was a a show that was talking about suicide or something at the end, there might be some information about Good Samaritans or things like that. But it'd be nice to see that they're also actually giving back to the these organizations that the films are making or TV shows are making some type of donation to these types of organizations. And I can't say that's something I've ever seen, to be honest. I saw actually Netflix on a show that I did watch and I can't remember what it was called. It was something you recommended, Kathleen, in, in regards to a closed community group. They had help like at the end of the series they had a helpline email address mm, yeah but yeah. but I'd never seen that in anything else that I've watched on Netflix in regards to sexual assault or anything of that nature yeah I think it's quite common on um I mean you often see it on soaps like EastEnders Coronation Street I've seen it quite a lot of time you know at the end of a program where it'll say if you've been affected by the storyline then you know they obviously offer like a website or a helpline but I think also it's important like as we've said you know to have a trigger warning at the beginning because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's all well and good having the help at the end but maybe if a survivor had actually known beforehand that that was going to be shown, then they wouldn't have chosen to watch it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It's similar to the trigger warning that we do always at the beginning of these podcasts. I mean, obviously the title of of the podcast and and the intro in any event says that we're going to be talking about this stuff, but I think it's important to say it again, always at the outset. So I agree, you know, a trigger warning at the beginning and resources at the end, but also I'd really like to start seeing that they're also making donations to the the charities and organizations that actually do this work. It it is good that this is being considered. And and as we've said, it's some Sometimes we have to consider both sides. I know that last year we did a podcast and we considered the the act of staffing, which I didn't know very much about until the BBC did a drama about it. And that did have trigger warnings, but that was a real raise of awareness, I think, to, to all parties in regards to actually what that act was. And if our listeners aren't aware, that's when somebody removes a condom during sexual intercourse without telling their partner. And that really raised a lot of awareness and that got a lot of press. I think it won some awards as well. But again, you know, that was something quite difficult, I'm sure, for many people to watch. But for others who weren't aware of that 
you know, that act could be criminal, what what that involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I often think about the BBC drama, The Girls, which depicted the child sexual exploitation scandal in, in Rotherham. And if it didn't have a trigger warning, I can't recall, it's a few years ago now, but certainly should have. But also, I think it was a really, as painful as it was to watch, a really, really important piece of television for people to see, to understand what the lives of these girls look like, how this ends up happening, so that we can just all be more aware. So, you know, it's again, this this issue of kind of between a rock and a hard place, isn't it, of having these types of shows and programs is really important for raising awareness. But we also have to be mindful of any myths that are being spread by the depiction of sexual violence and or how it can be impacting victims and survivors themselves. Yeah. And just another thing to add as well, it's just like, also being mindful of how the crimes are portrayed on screen. So not only the impact it has on survivors, but how it actually influences rape culture in society. And sometimes it's just about asking the question of, you know, whether, you know, the content is actually necessary for the story or is it just being used purely for entertainment purposes? And just looking at as well, like how is this influencing maybe children? What message is it getting across to people about what is acceptable and what's not acceptable and and how is it influencing society on a whole really yeah absolutely such an important topic guys I'm really glad that we've had the opportunity to to speak about this Um, and I'll be interested to see what does now happen with film classifications in this country so thanks both for for joining me today and for our listeners if this is something that you'd like to discuss with us, then please do feel free to get in touch. Or if there's other topics that you'd like to hear about, please do also feel free to let us know. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse.com at hjtalks.co.uk